0: Yes, we so, do.
1: Yeah, he was so, he, so interesting. What a yes, great interview, you guys.
0: Yeah, he's got really interesting stories about how he came to writing and got into publishing and transitioned into writing ebooks and indie publishing. Yep. And um, now he uh, writes for an Amazon imprint. So we talked to him a little bit about how that came to be. And yep. he writes mystery, thriller, and horror and yes. pen names. Talked about being your own advocate and, yes. and you know stuff yes. like that it was just very very some very good tips and information
1: so, yeah real actual stuff that you know if it's not happening to you today it may happen to you tomorrow or next week and and things you can hold on to to, to uh, kind of navigate through some situations that can get kind of sticky so yeah. really good good
0: information so what's been going on with you sarah well, I think we are buying a house. So basically that's like taking over my life. So did an inspection. Oh wow. yeah. But not moving too far. Just staying mm-hmm. in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy doesn't believe me, but it's true. <laughs> so anyway, so that's, I've been working on that a lot and, um, that is really about it. I mean, yeah. that's kind of <laughs> taking everything, taking my life over. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. And That's it does. It does. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a lot of news either. Just more this, just doing the normal stuff. Uh, we did do our QA yes. on Tuesday night and that was so super fun. Yes. I just loved it. Uh, we, I don't know how many people we had. I didn't count, but just some really great people and great questions. And um, I I just really loved it and I'd like to do it again. I yeah. guess I hope I, I'm sure I can wrote. Sarah into doing it again, but um, yeah. it was really fun. So.
0: It was a, it was good to see faces and connect yes. with names, yes. and we talked about questions about everything from like, um, like mindset stuff, mm-hmm. to craft mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. marketing. So mm-hmm. um, if you're in the Facebook group by yep. the time this podcast goes out, uh, the replay will be up in the group. So yes. if you're in the group, you can go in and see it. And we will do it again, I think. Mm-hmm. and we'll,
1: we'll pick a different time so yeah. that other people, you know, people in other countries can maybe pop on if they want to. But um, it was great. It was just so fun. It's like that's right up my alley. So
0: I loved it. Yeah, <clears throat> I did have a good podcast I wanted to recommend. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Kirsten Oliphant, her um, podcast, Create If Writing. She has one on lessons learned in um, publishing, and then she has another one on, um, on craft. And it's all about, you know, she's writing in, uh, she's kind of broken out, I would say. Like She has. has. With this uh, rom-com, kind of sweet rom-com type series. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she talks about um, decisions she made about that. And it was just really good. So I'll put links to that in the show notes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff.
1: kirsten was one of our early guests and uh so you can find her episode back at the beginning i don't know what number it is i'm so bad about knowing the numbers to our
0: episodes i don't really it's okay we'll link to it yeah we'll link to it we'll link to it. there There you go yeah Yeah.
1: so anyway we should get on with the interview because it's very very good
0: yep so here's simon all right all right today we're super excited to have simon wood with us hi simon how are you
2: I'm pretty good. How are you doing? We're great.
0: We're so glad you're here. (laughs) So let me read your bio and we'll get started. USA Today bestselling author Simon Wood is a California transplant from England. He's a former competitive race car driver, a licensed pilot, an endurance cyclist, an animal rescuer, and an occasional PI. He shares his world with his American wife, Julie. Their lives are dominated by a long-haired dachshund and six cats. He's an Anthony Award winning author and a regular contributor to Writer's Digest and other writing magazines. He also writes horror under the pen name of Simon Janice. So, very cool bio. That's one of the coolest ones we've had. Yeah, it really is.
2: <laughs> I played it down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's so funny.
1: <laughs> I love you. You English are so modest. I love that. <laughs> Tell us how you got into writing, Simon.
2: Um, it was basically when I moved to the U S in, um, 98, mm-hmm. um, I'm a mechanical engineer by training and education, mm-hmm. and everything like that. And, um, I was one of those people who suddenly found that when you come to the U S all my engineering experience and things didn't count for anything. And I was oh. kind of like at a loose end. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't get a job in my field. And mm-hmm. so I just had this thing about um, I wanted to turn, have a go at writing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I didn't have any kind of experience or any real knowledge or anything. I was dyslexic. I didn't do very well in school. And so um, suddenly you're saying, I'm going to try and write. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a, a bizarre Sort of situation, mm-hmm. and um, Julie, who's my wife now, um, she had said to me, "You know, you can't, you can't write a sentence down." And I said, "I know, but you can." And she just, I said that, you know, I wanted to write things, and so we went to the library, got some books, and she read books out on craft mm-hmm. because it wasn't until we started that I realised that I was basically functionally, functionally illiterate, or non-functionally illiterate Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure what is Mm -hmm. the right wording for Mm -hmm. that but basically Mm -hmm. I realized I didn't understand sentence structure or paragraphs or anything Mm -hmm. so I just got a couple of books on craft she would read them out and then I gave a crack at three short stories and we spent three months editing Mm -hmm. those three short stories and I wanted to write a book and then um, I saw something on television that gave me my idea and I Basically broke down books as like, mm-hmm. I went and did like the the reverse engineered, um, very mechanical engineered mind <laughs> way of writing. I went and got books that I wanted on or that I really enjoyed and things that I wanted to write. And I listened to them and I wrote down um, every scene you know, when characters en- entered, when characters left, when a story line started, when the next one came in, how they got tied up. And then I would examine them. And I thought, I've now got to do the reverse of this. And I wrote mm. down all the steps that I wanted for my story. And that's how I basically got started.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I wasn't was quite amazing. sure whether I knew where I was going.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, my wife entered one of the short stories, not the first three that I wrote, but one of the later ones and the, f- the opening of the novel, which wasn't finished at the time, but we'd polished the first few chapters and they placed in a state library mm-hmm. competition, um, both the story and the, the novel. And we kind of thought, Oh, maybe, maybe we're not far mm-hmm. off. And they just yeah. carried on and just mm-hmm. basically just kept writing and kept learning as I went.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that. And how supportive of your wife too. Yeah. Just like
2: um i'm lucky in that she out. she has the right kind of critical mind to mm-hmm. be able to pick things apart and make me um put them back together again mm-hmm. um i you know it's kind of worked in that sort of sense but I, you know it is luck i don't think i would have ever had anything published um at that without, her. without her to be oh, honest that's
1: nice. now how involved is she now She still
2: is. I mean, she's still the primary reader. Nothing Mm -hmm. goes out to anybody without her reading, because I don't know if I've translated in my head Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. paper is, is the same thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. I thought that was interesting how you said it was a mechanical engineering way of writing that like you took it apart and basically figured out the components and then, Applied it to your story. I think that's a very good description of.
2: Well, it, it, the thing is, I always actually now it ended up being becoming a, part, a thing for Writer's Digest. I wrote about this mm-hmm. and then it became a, a, a seminar and a workshop because of the way I, I do it. But m- partly the big thing I always try and get over to people is understand story. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it is, whether you're writing romance, you know, horror, mm-hmm. mystery, um, straight fiction, whatever it is, is to just basically analyze story, understand how story goes together. And then it becomes a lot easier
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, to to create your own stories because you're like, go, oh, I, I can see how things need to be um, brought together and tied up and, you know, made interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I, and that just, appeals to my mindset but I try to get uh student writers to always just just go get half a dozen books yeah. break them down yeah. and then when you've done that go and get another half dozen mm-hmm. and just keep <laughs> doing it because mm-hmm. it, it it becomes second nature to how to you know someone throws you an idea and you can put a story together in you know the framework of a story in about half an hour or so
0: yeah so do you run those workshops seminar things now or
2: Yeah I do them do for um sometimes for um sisters in crime I okay. I do them online I started doing them online during the pandemic yeah. uh, through my website and stuff okay. but um it's always proved popular everybody laughs because I have a a spreadsheet that um illustrate that I break my story into a one page thing everything is on a one page spreadsheet and everybody laughs, but then everybody goes, Oh, actually I'll give that a go. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> That's awesome. That well, is so great.
0: What is your definition of success and has it changed over your writing career? Do you think?
2: Um, I think the main thing is basically building upon a foundation. Everything that I do next, I want it to be, um, and incrementally, a little bit better than the the, the, yeah. the thing before mm-hmm. um because to be honest I don't know where this is gonna go
1: mm-hmm.
2: even after 20 years you know it's that thing of like uh, you know at the beginning you're kind of like going well I don't know if I'm just sort of like shouting into the wind here <laughs> with what I'm doing and you're like going I'll be pleased if I just get one thing published and you're mm-hmm. like going well two would be really nice mm-hmm. well you know there's Let's make it five. I'd like to get a bestsellers list. Yeah. And you know, and you kind of keep moving the goalpost
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
2: you'll, because you have to keep doing that. So I don't know. um, Success is that sort of like undiscovered country that I'll never find because I'll never decide on what that actually is. Mm -hmm. So, um, but at this point, it is just trying to do a little bit better than the, the piece before.
1: It's great. Yeah. And that's realistic too. You know, I mean, I think having, I mean, we all have giant
2: goals, but just that yeah, yeah.
1: wanting to do better than you did last time. I just, I think that's so, that's
2: so the main thing is, cause you can lose your readership so easily. Right. You right. can be that one, you know, and it's not like you've gone, you've gone out of your way to sort of shank it. It'd be just that thing of like, someone can react to the story. You don't really know what people are going to think of it until They've got it. And it's all too late then. Right. And so you kind of rely on the kindness of strangers that they'll Mm -hmm. keep on liking you Mm -hmm. and that enough of them will keep on liking you. And it's that thing of you just don't, you know, you kind of like going, well, hopefully I'll please enough people this time around again kind of thing.
1: Right. Right. What do you wish you'd known about writing in craft? I mean, you told us a little a little bit about how you started, but what do you wish you'd known looking back on that now?
2: Um, I don't know. I think at the beginning it was, it was such a thing of like, I don't know anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main thing was not to, if I could do it all over again, I think it was not to be embarrassed
1: mm-hmm.
2: about it. I mean, I just took it, you know, I kind of think there was a lot of like uh, imposter Syndrome and kind of um, fear of like going well. What if I look like an idiot? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of held me back. And you kind of like going well. I'll aim low because mm-hmm. then you know no one will notice if I. And that and I think that came from like being in school and not being very good in in school. It was that thing of, like not looking like the class idiot. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of carried through. And I think if I'd been a bit more courageous at the beginning and reached out for outside help because I didn't take a writing class I didn't join any groups I didn't understand how you know the publishing world worked because I was kind of like trying to hide behind something of like well I don't want anybody (laughs) to see anything Uh, and I think that was probably the one thing that I had done is to learn from others rather Mm -hmm. than to sort of like um you know, it was good what I did by myself, but there is that thing of like when I first did. I didn't actually talk to anybody about writing until my first book came out, mm-hmm. and then I went. Now I'll go and join a group because I got kind of a credential. Right. And then you walk into the room, and and a lot of people were learning. You know, without Just like that. you
1: had been, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And you're mm-hmm. like going, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have been so kind of embarrassed." Yeah,
1: yeah. To
2: to not do that. So I think it would have been to be more outgoing. I think. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's yeah. great because I know that for me I did sort of did the same thing, but I wasn't embarrassed because I knew I didn't know anything. And I was older too. So it was sort of like, okay, just teach me. I don't know. I'm gonna look like an idiot, which I did, but it was such a great boot camp kind of situation for me that I'm I'm so grateful for it. So yeah. 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 I
0: also learned better with other people
1: as opposed yeah. to myself. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would remember when I first started trying to write, there was like this big, um, I felt like it was a big conundrum for me when people would say, what do you do? And I I, I was like, well, am I a writer? And I didn't feel mm-hmm. like I'd call myself an author, because I felt like that was somebody special and different. And I hadn't quite achieved that marker yet. And then, you know, eventually I think the longer I did it, the more I felt more comfortable with that definition. But I remember yeah. feeling the same way. And I think everybody feels this way about, like, the imposter syndrome struggle. I think that's very, very real. I think
2: I still do. I still sort of say, I write. I don't, I don't like saying, oh, I'm a writer or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, because it still feels like, yeah, you still yeah. have to take the trash out on Monday nights.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> So and true. I can't say writer because people think I'm saying writer and they think I'm in a motorcycle gang. I <laughs> promise you that has happened more than once. <laughs> so I have to say author. But still,
0: it's, <laughs> it's the That's same the, thing. Yeah. Well, what about marketing? Do you, what do you wish you'd known about marketing?
2: Um, I think the main thing that I kind of built on probably in the last 10 years or so um when certain things happened and, and what have you I kind of realized that I needed to build a community mm. I don't think mm. you can do the hard sell I think yeah. you can do the hard sell once mm-hmm. right. of I you know I've done enough events with people where it's always that thing of um um buy my book, buy my book. And it doesn't matter what the question is. It'll be like, speaking of the color blue, my book has the color blue. <laughs> and, you know, and it's that thing of like, you can't be on all the time.
1: Right, and I've right, seen right.
2: authors, um, you know, do that and, the, and it's worked for one book. It's become very successful for them to just, you know, always be, messaging the sort of like hard sell Mm -hmm. late night infomercial regardless of the situation or you know or anything else and it kind of works but I think when they try and return with the the second one I don't think people have got the patience for it or will give you the the time for that so it's kind Mm -hmm. of that thing of like I've got to try and build this group of supporters who will you know that I can keep adding to Mm -hmm. and have something in common with them and I, I kind of always gone with this thing of like, um, I usually have like 10 things about me. What am I? You know, it's, you know, I'm a, uh, an expat, you know, um, I'm a cyclist, you know, and uh, you know, triathlons and things like this. And you suddenly realize those are the different groups that you have some sort of commonality with mm-hmm. and that you can bring people in. Because if you just say everybody's a reader, Mm -hmm. it's like yeah well everybody's a reader you can't get everybody you've got to pick um where what your community is and it's that thing of you know a collection of people who've got um random interests or some crossover but they're all various shades of you right and I think that was something I didn't realize I think at the beginning I think like everybody it's that thing of like I've got to find readers whatever they are, I don't care what Mm -hmm. they are. And you've got, and trying to go for everybody, you find nobody. Right, Right. And I think it's that thing of you just start with, you know, friends and neighbours and, you know, you keep building these rings Mm -hmm. that um, you can find a group. Um, And I think the other thing really is, is having a point of view. Is that Mm -hmm. if you are trying to um, market, it's that thing to, have something you know are you the funny guy are you the um the expert are you the contrarian whatever it is you need to have that that somebody can latch on to and they go oh that guy oh he's the baseball guy and Mm -hmm. and that helps because then people can find you um if you try and be somewhat uh, transparent and not have anything that um, that is identifiable about you, I think, um, you know, that's the kind of thing that you need to give yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's another, there's actually another thing I used to do a seminar on. And I used to say, it's like, you know, if that's your thing, if this is what your books are about and you're trying to identify with it, you know, that's how you need to present yourself. Even to, you know, depend on what it is. You may want to dress like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I don't mean costume, but something that's in <laughs> keeping with you know the imagery um, of of who you are. It's like Charles Todd; he's, mm-hmm. he's very much a southern gentleman, and he kind of presents himself as a southern gentleman. Right. You know, I've never seen the guy not in a suit and tie,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: regardless of the situation. And it's just that thing of like, well, how do I want to present myself to the um, to the world? I think one of the worst things for writers are is we're invisible. If we're like, if this was music, yeah, we'd be out there. If it was film yeah. or television, yeah. we'd be out there. But as writers, we're kind of invisible, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think one of the things that you know we should do as an as an industry is to try to be more visible. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, that reminds me of um, Gail Carriger. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's has a very distinctive writing style, mm-hmm. and her personality matches that. And when she's in conferences and stuff, she dresses a certain way. And so it conveys, you know, her, her brand, basically. Yeah, her yeah. Brand. It's a,
1: yeah, it's, I mean, for some people, and Gail is probably just genuinely that way, but for some people, it's a persona. But, you know, a persona can help you battle imposter syndrome. Because yeah, yeah, yeah you place you put on that whatever it is or you take and then you you become that person until you can be that person does that make sense like yeah, I, like I, the I, goal it, is that it becomes genuine and part of who you are but until you get there you keep kind of putting this on yeah the
2: careful thing you've got to be about persona is that it's not fake it's right, gotta be, exactly. if you like, the more confident mm-hmm. version of you <laughs> yeah. rather than, you know, you're playing a character.
1: Correct. Right. Because right. that
2: yeah. that can, you know, people do see through that. Right. And then you you kind of get into even with this um, Alex Jones kind of thing of like mm-hmm. when he's tried to use as a defense. Well, it's like it's just an act. And it's like, well, a lot of people have bought into that act yeah. and have yeah. no, acted to be genuine, on. What you think. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't you can't make your persona too divorced from mm-hmm. who you are. Correct. Yeah. Correct.
0: yeah. The other thing I thought that was interesting about, like, even the list in your bio of all the things that you've done, it, it does give p- different people things to latch on to about you and go, oh, I like to cycle. And, you know, yeah. it gives, but no, none of those were about writing. So mm-hmm. it's like, I think we need to find other hobbies and interest and things that we can use to pull people to us. Not yeah, because I mean,
2: you, you're you're a writer, but you're more than that, or hopefully yeah. you are. You're not just a. You know, <laughs> hopefully, yeah.
0: It's healthier <laughs> if you are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career, and then looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong?
2: I this is one of the questions that I kind of thought about, and I thought I'm not sure I had <laughs> any assumptions because it was such a it was such a different world. Mm -hmm. um from what i did you know Mm -hmm. i used to design Mm -hmm. things that stopped oil rigs blowing up Mm -hmm. or or made drinking water safe to drink Mm -hmm. and you know that was my background so you're kind of literally like wide-eyed and going uh i have no idea how any of this Mm -hmm. works
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um what should i be doing Mm -hmm. and so i don't think i i had any um any real sort of um you know any kind of real assumption about what or any perception of what writing would be because I you know part of that was that sort of like um, self-protection mechanism well this is mm-hmm. never going to go anywhere right. and <laughs> right, so right. you <laughs> don't know and it was that thing of, of um, that I did try to set out to like I know nothing about this so I need yeah. to learn about it even you know not just sort of like how to format a manuscript but you know that thing of like how do books get into bookstores
0: mm-hmm. uh, you know
2: how does a book end up at the front of the store how do I get a face out or an end cap right. and you and mm-hmm. I you know you would just go and if anyone was willing to talk about it I would go and learn about it from them and you'd like go oh so that's why I, this is how mm-hmm. this works yeah and you kind of learn about this isn't going to be as easy as um you know, that I'm going to end up on the bestsellers list after, you know, my yeah. first book, you know, yeah. and it's that thing of like, you're not going to get there without a, a bunch of other things being set in motion that are nothing to do with you. It's going to be, you know, publisher driven kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think I came in with any kind of um, sort of solid understanding of, of what publishing was going to be. hmm.
0: And that may be good. That may be a good yeah. approach, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did one thing, I suppose it's one of those things that I always, um, you know, whether I'm, if I'm doing, you know, like, like an anthology or something, you're reading stories or, or you're doing like a competition judging thing, it's always frustrating. And you want to say to don't do this, which is the lead character's an author.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's <laughs> that
2: thing of like, um, it's always dinner at the four seasons and they're meeting their publisher. And it's like, you know, I've had, I've had like 20 plus publishers over the years and I think I've only ever met four, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. and I think I've only been taken out to dinner twice. (laughs) And it's that thing of like, your agent is not this person who's going to be your um, um, sort of personal manager, guru and, and the thing like that is like none of this stuff is, you know, and you see people have these sort of like, you know, those dreams and aspirations will come out in a story and you're like going, no, it's just not
0: right. Not like that.
2: Realistic.
0: No. Um, no, your agent's not calling saying, Have you finished chapter five yet? You know, I mean, not that involved. You know, they're just like, yeah, I mean the, you know, here.
2: some people that's maybe true, but you know, for, but for you know, ninety-nine point nine percent of people, you know, that's not their uh, publishing story or their writing life kind mm-hmm. of thing.
0: Yeah. Yet again, we cannot trust Hollywood or <laughs> <laughs> the big bestsellers to tell us the truth. <laughs> so have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing?
2: Um, I have made a ton of mistakes <laughs> that I kind of regret. Um, the only thing that I would say is I wanted to twist that question a Go little ahead. bit and just, and say, there was a time when I've that I kind of said I've got to make a very very um difficult decision and you don't know whether it's right or wrong but Mm -hmm. the payoff on the upside which I never foresaw was massive and Mm -hmm. every day that decision has you know, I kind of like look back and go, oh, if I had not done that, this would yeah. not have we would not be here today. Yeah. yeah. And and what it was was um it was when I was um had a contract with Dorchester Publishing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um and I was doing I think my fourth book with them and I was doing a book tour, and it was it, and I and from it I knew something was wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. It
2: was when the, the credit crunch was happening and yeah. All the bookstores and everything was kind of crashing, and um, I was getting to bookstores and there was no books,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I was like going, "Where's why, no, why is there no books?" And I kind of like sort of like I, my one of my things is make friends with everybody
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: in, in at the publishing house, uh, from mm-hmm. from um, the warehouse up to the you know your editor. And I basically found out that they owed so much to all the distributors that the um, Ingram was holding all the books
1: oh, and was wow. not
2: releasing them to the stores until they paid, and mm-hmm. then there wasn't going to be any pay. And they kind of started saying, "You know, we're not we're going bust, but we're not going bust." And it was kind of a thing. And I spent um, six months breaking their contract down,
1: mm-hmm. oh.
2: and you know, and I kept saying, "You know, I need to get out of this. I've been in." I've Already had had some past sort of things of publishers going out of business, small press ones at the beginning and having rights locked up. And I kind of just kept, I was using their public statements in Publishers Weekly Mm -hmm. and using them against them in their contract and just basically whittling away. And, you know, they were laying off staff left and right. Like my editor had gone and I was basically working with the the guy at the top and then I just walked around and in the end they said and I said I need my rights back so my contract says mass paperback and you're never publishing that again so technically we're out of print and I kept Mm -hmm. pushing this and pushing this and pushing this and it went on for about six months and in the end they said um, um okay you can have your rights back
1: just go away
2: just yeah, over. I mean yeah. But I did it. Other people were getting lawyers, other people go into oh, no. sort of like the trade press and making mm-hmm. comments, and it was kind of blowing up. And in the end, I happened to be and they said we will give it to you, but we want the ebook rights um, returned in another 12 months. And I said, No, it's it's all and it's now. And the part of the reason was there was this tiny little clause in the contract. That meant nothing because it's pre-ebook, but it was something to do with like $500 of royalties earned electronically meant the book was in, in print forever. So I was oh. trying to prevent mm. that yeah. being yes. triggered. Yes. So um, I ended up and they said, we're going to give you your rights back. And then um, I happened to be in New York and I just walked into the publisher and said, I'm here to collect the reversion paperwork. Uh and and because I was getting the the run around on the phone but I was really friendly with the lady on reception who'd become Mm -hmm. an editor and she said he's here and I went okay see you in 10 and (laughs) um I walked in got to see him they handed me the paperwork nice and that ended up I took that I put that into Mm ebooks and this was like basically 2000 um, nine, I think
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah. I came up with an ad campaign I repackaged everything relaunched everything um, at the time it was a little wild west
0: mm-hmm. when
2: ebooks were starting and you kind of could make some traction because publishers mainstream publishing didn't want to know right. and within six months I had sold 250,000 copies oh my gosh that's um, amazing that, then the phone rang because I'd, I'd lost um a ghostwriting contract mm-hmm. as well as obviously the my mainstream contract with Dorchester and then it was like going this is going uh going well. and then the phone started ringing of like well can we buy rights and that led to um an eight book contract with um Amazon yeah, and with an
0: Amazon imprint right
2: yeah and then with um Crazy. you know with all the audiobook rights and and everything started to snowball off of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you kind of went, I that decision, that thing of like going, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna let it be in someone else's hands. Mm-hmm. I've got to um, best serve myself in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and it was that being aware of it because i like i say i'd screwed up enough times before then that you know i've made mistakes mm-hmm. made poor decisions or or been naive and it's like i can't with this but i did not i didn't realize that you know that subsequently has probably led to um it's probably led to like almost 2 million copies in print audio e whatever yeah. and yeah. foreign rights being sold over the last 10 years yeah. And it all comes down, And I, every day I think about, you know, if I had not mm-hmm. stepped in mm-hmm. and taken, you know, a plan of wearing them down, breaking down their arguments and, mm-hmm. and backing everything up, I don't think I would have um, managed to have yeah. got no. what I wanted. And if yeah. you'd
1: gone the, the litigation route, I mean you could still be litigating that. I mean- yeah, I mean I
2: the thing that I had there was you know I had this very frank talk with the guy who was essentially the last man last man standing at the at the the publishing house and it was kind of this thing of like he goes, Well, anybody who's coming at me with um lawyers and stuff, he's going, I'm gonna push back. And I <laughs> cause we'd we've got into the thing of like he goes, he just sort of said he goes, I just like the way you did this. There he you goes, go. you just kept you know, he goes, you basically kept presenting the situation. And he goes, and then I just thought at this point, I, you know, he goes, I don't know how long we're going to be in business. He goes, I don't know. They tried to auction the company and it had gone nowhere. And mm. that was the other thing of like, I don't want to be bought and yeah. sold. And then oh, the only thing that they had said was you have to give up. Cause I couldn't get a royalty statement. I knew I was owed money and I couldn't get a royalty yeah. statement. And, and I said, um, you know they said you give up your your any money that's owed if you sign this you'll give up any money you're owed <laughs> and it was like the the commodity of those rights was worth a lot more than yes what was probably a couple of thousand dollars yeah mm-hmm. but I, it,
1: you're so smart to have seen that though because i don't know that everybody sees that that yeah the value of those rights is so and much and, more.
2: and they speak you know it was it's one of the mistakes i made right at the beginning it was one of those things of um, i managed on a on the first contract to get it for us only mm. mass paperback one time you know right that was the only thing they mm-hmm. had north american yeah. and and i and they, i managed to get all the other things knocked off and then i felt bad for doing that and then said oh no you can have world rights
0: <laughs> oh no and
2: i'd had i'd had <laughs> a publisher in the uk want the rights but they said they wanted them sort of like not you know, secondary, mm-hmm. they wanted primary UK rights and stuff and all this sort of stuff. And so I had made that mistake of like, yeah. and you suddenly realise how much your rights are, mm-hmm. you know, are worth secondary rights. They have, you know, value, even though if you can't, or even though you can't put a dollar figure on it, but to just give everything away. Yeah. And so I am a real sort of like rights raptor. I kind of do <laughs> I do push back on, on everything. I've got everything written down of when things
0: yeah.
2: um, uh, end of like terms or whatever, yeah. or trying to put explosion clauses in to sort of make sure that something can't be tied up forever.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's so smart. And mm-hmm. I knew that you were early to the ebook kind of indie scene, but I have not ho- heard the whole backstory. So. That's yeah it was nice. just
2: it's just the fact that I got those four back books back I'd held off for a long time for a good year be- before getting involved and it was a f- I realized I had the e rights to 12 books and I basically just um said well let, you know I don't have a day job anymore. Yeah. I've lost all my <laughs> contracts. I've got to do something. And yeah. it was the thing of like, I, this is, I'm willing to sort of like put, I think it was like two or $3,000 into this to mm-hmm. see if this yeah. works. I paid for advertising. I had had a whole campaign. I tried to launch 12 books at once and realize that doesn't work.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like
2: pick a tip of the spear, pick one <laughs> yeah. and work with it. and, and yeah. I And then it's that thing of like, when that, one starts to lose its its um energy you bring another one in but you just keep moving one to the front and Mm -hmm. had this whole one year um campaign of advertising promotion um outreach and things like that and then it was one of those the only scary thing is when you suddenly see it's no when the numbers started like ramping up and ramping up and all of a sudden it was that thing like, I'm not driving this anymore. It's going mm-hmm. wherever it wants to go. And, and that's a little bit worrying because it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to make it go quick and I don't know how to slow it down.
1: Right. right. So that's
2: a good problem to have. But, you know, but even that went sideways at one point when you start getting some blowback on things and you're just like, well, how am I going to handle that now? Right. And for some books, it took, you know, like 18 months to get the, the readership back because mm-hmm. something goes sideways on you with that you hadn't, you know, foreseen.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, what about the opposite? Have you ever had something that you thought was a home run and and it turned out not to be?
2: Yeah, I think at the beginning, I kind of had this idea of like, I like flawed heroes. I like mm-hmm. someone who's... Who's kind of like screwed up and is Mm -hmm. like on a road to redemption. And I found that that really worked against me. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't mean to be horrible, but the, especially the US market is very moralistic Mm -hmm. about what it reads and what it likes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my first book, the, you know, that was published, but, you know, it's heavily changed in some, a lot of it before it even saw editors because i started to get some um feedback that you know i kind of had this thing of like my first book is accidents waiting to happen and it's about a guy where things all come back you know come home to roost for him you know it's the thing of an affair it's to do with how he's he paid somebody off he had taken a backhand and this is mm-hmm. all before page one yes it's got there's none of this is in the book but you just know this is what he had done. And now it's, you know, he suddenly mm-hmm. finds himself in this sort of like um, weird sort of like uh, north by northwest world where it's all going going sideways for him. It's, you know, people want to kill him. He doesn't know why. You know, he, everything, all his worst nightmares all, all start landing on mm-hmm. page one for him. And he doesn't know what direction it's come from because he's screwed up so much. Mm-hmm. And um people just could not get past the infidelity, although mm-hmm. it's not in the book.
1: Isn't that funny?
2: Um I had um first time I ever did a reader's group, um someone just tore into me. Actually the woman who ran the group um just tore <laughs> right. into me and said, Um, so how many affairs have you had?
0: Oh, oh um,
2: and and I went and I kind of like was a little bit thrown because you yeah. you know, you kind of yeah. get your little sort of like you're ready with your put downs and things yeah. as, as you know, <laughs> and how to handle rough And that situations.
1: Came out of nowhere. Yeah. And
2: you're like going, wow. And I kind of a funny thing is we've been married six weeks when we started right when I started writing this. <laughs> and, uh, and you kind of and you saw what it was and you and you start and the thing I always say is every book is a is I can only sketch what people will see. Everybody mm-hmm. will see something different right. because it's a reflection mm-hmm. of themselves. They will right. bring p- things into it that I've never written. The amount right. of books where someone will be angry about a scene in the book that I've n- that, are, that aren't in there. Mm-hmm. I had someone complain about a rape in one of my books. There isn't a rape in there.
1: No, yeah. yeah. But yeah. people
2: start to, you know, embellish they bring mm-hmm. some of their own baggage. They bring some yeah. of their own life experience mm-hmm. to the story and they, and it adds to it. But mm-hmm. um, that probably infidelity was probably the worst thing I could have mentioned because I had someone contact my mother-in-law and said, if you, put, if you draw the dots together, you can see that he's cheating. Oh and um, um, oh. who else it there was about about four or five people probably tried to make various accusations and things like that and and the thing of just flawed heroes that is not what people Mm -hmm. wanted to write about and I've kind of my first book is now in its fourth edition and I've edited that book re-edited that book every time to sort of soften that Mm -hmm. that thing because the thing was was people kind of went he deserves it
1: hmm
2: And yeah. you're kinda going, yeah, but there is a thing about redemption. Redemption. But I, but yeah. I, but I think even more so now, people don't want to know about redemption. It's make the mistake and you know you're done for good. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
2: there isn't that thing of like there is no path back. And so that was a that was a thing that I'm always very is careful of. Like if I am gonna do someone who's flawed, how do I how do I make it palatable without yeah. it? You know, you try not to pander to the audience, but at the same time, you know that if it's going to be a thing that's going to be a red rag, then mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you, you, you yeah. Won't,
2: you're wasting each other's time. And the other yeah. thing is standalones. I've written mainly standalones. A series would mm-hmm. have made my life so much easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With I write series, and I love series, but that's only because I was writing cozies and you know historical mysteries they're almost always in a series so I was like well I guess that's what I'm writing and that's what I love to read but yeah scandalous I think can be a challenge
2: yeah, yeah. I just you know I'm just a very affected by a, su- a subject or topic and then you kind of like going well that's not going to fit into a series mm-hmm. um, although I am doing it with a couple of series things I'm writing the th- third book in a series I'm writing another third book in a series and you're kind of like going and I thought something the other day and I thought oh I know that's kind of like spy stuff, but I can actually make that work in this series. <laughs> so because of what you his go. you know yeah. what his job is. I kind of thought with this yeah. one, you know, he can be sort of like brought in to be this sort of um to smuggle something across because he works internationally.
1: Right.
2: There you go. That's yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're you're literally finding your audience every time. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I and think it, I wrote five, six standalones before I wrote anything that could be a series.
0: Yeah, and you're smart to go. Okay, I have this idea, but can I fit it in? Mm-hmm. to What I already have,
2: if yeah, you
0: know, if it's right. possible, it may not be. So yeah. So what is the biggest mindset change you've had to make in your career? We talked about this a little bit, but
2: yeah, um, get it in writing.
0: Yeah,
2: no. <laughs> I'm not joking.
0: I believe the, you. I know the
2: biggest thing I've learned is that don't. Um nothing verbal, whatever yeah. it is back mm-hmm. it up with writing make sure they whether it's email paper whatever, because mm-hmm. everybody can be held accountable to it being done yeah. on paper i had the very first publisher I had was a small press they did about three thousand copies uh print run and mm-hmm. um and then when and they they were putting out a lot of books and they started running out of money pretty quick Mm -hmm. and it was suddenly that thing of like oh you need review copies here's a box of them and then Mm -hmm. halfway through it was the fact and you went okay delete that email and then you know when things started getting rough they started um saying oh review copies you you're buying them at retail and they were, were deducted off of your royalty statement so suddenly you know and it's like wow. but you've got nothing I had nothing to back it up yeah. because I deleted that email saying well you know I can hold you to this mm-hmm. because and you suddenly realized that I um um what else have I had there's just you know I wouldn't have got the stuff away from you know got my rights back with Dorchester yeah. I you know I did that with another publisher um I knew that you know the they weren't gonna uh, renew the contract and I kind of felt well the books have been out now and it's a thing of like the one breaker was something that says if um, if all the books are in the shops that's that's it you know mm-hmm. rights right. revert and I was like going so I made you know asked the warehouse and said, have you got anything in in stock still and they went no <laughs> and I got a thing from my editor that said, you know, um, we're not going to renew, and we're not doing a, a you know a second printing. And I went, okay, can I have my rights back, then, please? <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just things like. But you've had, I did had, I've got too many horror stories. I once did a thing through an agent uh, where we were asked to develop a YA trilogy, and mm-hmm. it was done sort of like with the "Don't worry, it's a done deal." Mm. And I kind of, you know, I did like an outline for the first book. And then it was like, can you do an outline for the trilogy? So I did an outline for the trilogy. Can you write a chapter? And it was like, can you you write the first quarter of the first book? And then it was the thing of like, Pubboard had no no intention of publishing this book. And it was kind of like a thing to put the editor down, to remind the editor what it was. And it was like, you know, I spent three months developing all this. And, you know, the editor didn't want to speak to me and and kind of hid from the phone. It's like, okay, I understand the situation, but at least say sorry. Right. But it was just the fact that I did not have anything in writing. There was no development kind of fee or anything like that. And you're like going, well, one, I don't own this idea. And two, I've wasted three months on putting all this together and it's, it's never going to see the light of day. Um, There's, just sort of things like just things like that that you kind of go through. Um, I had the worst one I think in one of the heartbreaker ones was I had a handshake deal at a convention for an audiobook deal. Mm. me and the guy didn't know while we were talking there was a merger between oh. two of the houses oh, no. and when he got back it was told no, you can't offer this contract. And mm. Ryan just like gone. Oh, we've met. I ha- I had tickets to Indy 500. I had all this <laughs> other the stuff that was part, you know, part of this thing. And uh, i called my agent and said, it, "It sounds like he's ready. He wants to do it." And it's like, "Well, we'll do it on Monday." Mm. And you know, we should have said, "Let's get um, an email,
1: yeah,
2: kind of or agreement,
1: yeah, that mm-hmm.
2: day," because mm-hmm. we would have snuck in under the under the wire. But yeah. yeah, there's just so many of those stories where you go, "If I'd only had it in,
0: in writing, writing yeah. um, such a small um, thing, but it's such yeah. a it can have such a big impact." Yeah, I too, mean, you yeah. you sort
2: of like go away from these things and go, "Why didn't I just bloody send them? <laughs> or why didn't they send me something?" You know, it's those things that you that will you know really eat away at you for for you know for ages yeah. afterwards mm-hmm. because it was it was so preventable, yeah. right. You know, hard breaks are hard breaks. And you kind mm-hmm. of go, oh, that didn't go my way or whatever. But it's when, the, you know, they're self-inflicted. Yes. The <laughs> and you're like, you're an idiot.
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's so true. So you write uh, thrillers and mysteries under your own name and horror under a pen name. Is there anything you wish you'd known about writing under pen names? That
2: um, I did it earlier.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what I kind of went through that was a you know that held me back um at the beginning was I would write thrillers I'd come up through the horror world first I'd Mm -hmm. written a bunch of like horror and sci-fi stuff um, mainly short stories and I'd done a big bunch of things like that and then I'd written my first novel which was a thriller Mm -hmm. and so I had that thing of like I would go to the horror community or a convention or something and they go you're that thriller guy mm. and move on and when I went uh, to the the mystery kind of world they go oh you're that horror guy and move on so you was yeah. kind of being um ignored by both um I, and you're like going they're not that far divorced please love me. Yes. <laughs> and it, <laughs> yes and yes. It, nobody was kind of listening it was that thing of like if I'd made the, the conscious decision right at the very beginning to say If I'm going to write this kind of thing, it's under this name. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to write that kind of thing, it needs to be under another name because it just kind of um, would have made life uh, a lot easier. It's kind of – it is one of those kind of regretful things because I went through probably – five six years of trying to convince people Mm -hmm. you know depending on what room you walked into this is what you like to read and they're like going no because you're a different genre to me Mm -hmm. and it's like no it isn't this is it it's just Mm -hmm. you keep looking at me in a different way um so you that was one of that's probably the the biggest reason why I did it and I I totally wish I'd done it at the start
0: yeah
1: so do you keep two separate lists and and email list and things like that?
2: um yeah to a certain extent you mm-hmm. kind of know who who came from which world yeah. um and I haven't written as much horror in the last few years compared to um um sort of mystery and thriller stuff, mm-hmm. but it is one of those things that i I've got a couple of like work in progress is that I want to um I want to you know have come out at some point that I can then um go back to that world as well
1: Mm. okay
0: well I think that's great advice yeah and starting a pin name is a lot of work but Mm -hmm. it can it can really pay off even though it is a lot of work you
2: know yeah I mean it is kind of it always is somewhat sort of like well I'm having to do everything twice yes Mm -hmm. um But at the same time, I think it just makes the um, reader expectation so much simpler if you can yeah. point to it and they know you as, you know, one one yeah. or the other. Yeah,
0: really clear definition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I think it's one of those things is whether it's the title, your name, the spelling of your name or yeah. whatever it is, make mm-hmm. it as easy for your, the reader to find you. Yeah,
0: right on. Well, I have to ask this question, because in the, in the bio, it said you were a private investigator. You've done all these different things, and that was in your bio. So can you tell us, because I'm a mystery writer, I'm curious about this. Um,
2: um, you- yeah, it was It was me and my wife. We were kind of like um, a, a, a private duo investigators. Oh cool. Because this was um,
0: like a, a cozy. Yeah, mystery. This
2: it is. It's one of those things that we, we have been asked to sort of do it, and I have I have written a couple of short stories based mm-hmm. on our experiences. But what it was, we started out um, when we first got married, and, and we and I was struggling for work and and things like that, and we were kind of pretty close to making ends meet every month. We mm-hmm. she started uh, being a mystery shopper. Mm-hmm. so you know yeah. we, we we used to live sort of like no one say we lived um for free but it, you kind of did that thing that you might do at a supermarket one day mm-hmm. and you get to you know keep 25 dollars of you know would be your limit and you would yeah. get that right. for free or reimbursed or whatever uh, we had a, a one-year contract with a movie theater chain mm-hmm. that we had to go once a week
1: oh darn
2: and, um, we were allowed, you know, like $10 for popcorn or whatever. Cause you had to check all that. Yes, um, right. Plus see the movie, um, every week. So we did that and it was like a bunch of things we kind of picked and, and, oh, got picked. and we did that for a while. And then they kind of like the agencies kind of say, well, can you do restaurants? Like uh-huh. quite fancy <laughs> restaurants. And we, so we were doing a lot of like these, sort of, like, um, celebrity chef places. Oh, wow. You know that you started doing in in, like in san francisco and around so you would do like like because a lot of hotel chains own a bunch of these places Mm -hmm, so you ended up doing like hyatt based things or you might do kempton or whatever they're kempton or whatever they're called and Mm -hmm. so we did that for a while and they said do you want to do hotels so you would like travel somewhere for a weekend and then it it basically (laughs) came down to where the pis the true pi stuff because you work for an agency and as long as Someone is licensed, then you're Mm -hmm. okay. Um, was it was just the thing of like, do you want to be do you want to do casinos? Oh,
1: yeah.
2: And so we did casinos for like two or three years. You were going maybe between a month or six weeks, you would do either Vegas or the Indian casinos in California, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you would um go there for three days. You'd have like a bunch of assignments, like it would be like this week, you're going in, you're a high roller see how much you can get away with and you know we've been underneath like the MGM sign in the penthouse and stuff and it's a thousand thousand dollar a night room and you've got like I've got to get clothes that aren't from Target for this yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) and you you sell them a cover story while you're there um
1: Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. And you're
2: given you're given money to gamble. Sometimes you have to lose it to the casino, which is probably the worst thing you can ever do. <laughs> as soon as you've got to lose the money, you can't stop winning.
1: Yes.
2: Um yeah. other times it was, you know, we're giving you X amount of money, whatever's left at the end of the the three days or whatever is it's yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you might come out, you know, you start playing seriously because you got to yes. play everything from slots to, like, Jamaican poker or whatever, yeah. the, the casino. You're playing every game. Wow. So you're, like, having to learn every game yeah. um, and stuff. And then it's like you might come out with your fee. And um you might come out with a couple of thousand or whatever. Oh my gosh! uh From doing that, that but, is
1: fascinating.
2: So you know, we did all little stunts and things that you had to do. Someone told us it was like once. It's like okay, try and bribe your way into this place. And it's like okay, let's see. I said, how much can we use? They go two hundred like, bucks. <laughs> um, you know, you've had to have yeah. secret meetings with the agency owner because he's known and he can't be on a camera. So there's only like two places in Vegas that he can meet you. Uh-huh. Uh, and he uh-huh. had just broken into Bill Clinton's private uh, donors meeting and got a picture of him with Clinton. And it's like, dude, you're so, he was such a weird little bloke. <laughs> um,
0: you think that's then, his life of intrigue to write books? Yes.
2: Yeah. And so, we, you know, there was things that we did. We once did... Um, you, there's so many weird little things that you had to do. You had to come up with cover stories because some of the, the worst times they would send you to Vegas are during the dark weeks, mm. which is usually when everybody goes um, on sort of like, they, all the acts go away because they're refurbishing mm-hmm. the sets and yeah. all these other things. So you're, the worst week is usually um, between Christmas and thanksgiving you'll go there and you're like going to a casino and there's like seven people and they want you to go in a restaurant they want you to monitor all this stuff and you'll walk in you're the only ones there uh. and the you know the first job will be spend half an hour in the bar and uh. they're like going we can seat you straight away and it's like no we're gonna stay in the bar yeah we're gonna, we've got someone coming <laughs> but uh, we hope for friends coming and you're like going, Oh, can this? and you're like, and you stand out like a sore thumb. And you, yeah. So you try and come up with bits and pieces. We had to like try and catch a guy who was pocketing money from the, uh, from the register. And it was like, how's he doing it? And we think we worked out how he was doing it. Um, but we never saw money. We, it was all to do with cash and cash transactions. So I short- yeah. wrote a short story about that. But um, there is a lot of things I do want to, you know, I've been asked, can you write, uh, you know, cozy about husband and wife team?
1: Yeah.
2: The so do awesome. different ones, you know, And I want to do like a cruise ship, a casino, yeah. a restaurant and things like, because we had some weird experiences in places where you kind of go, there's something going on at this place. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, And but also you, something. you had to get yourselves out of like slightly dangerous pre- um predicaments we kind of had things where we would have it's like we think this could go sideways if we go in this room we can't get out and we'd have friends who would call us in 10 minutes we'll either tell you it's mm-hmm. fine or we're yeah. going to tell you oh yeah. god go <laughs>
0: <laughs> well sign me up for that pin name whenever yes. yeah. whenever that, that, that happens i want to read that <laughs> yeah for sure
1: Sure. That is just amazing. That's amazing. So what um, it's been great having you here. And I mean, just so entertaining. I think our listeners are going to get really get a lot out of this, but um, can you tell us what you think the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success has been?
2: Um, I think it's just have a professional mindset
1: mm-hmm.
2: from, from the beginning is I think if you go into this with, Oh, I'm, I'm just, I, this is just a hobby. This is mm-hmm. just a hobby. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like undersell yourself. I think the main thing is if you come into this with um because your audience doesn't know whether this is something you that is your day job, your part-time right. job, but your hobby, it doesn't matter. You have a duty to write right. um an entertaining story. And it's that thing of like you'll get yourself into more trouble if you if you don't treat it seriously. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, whether it's the way you speak on Social media, how you conduct yourself in public, the way you write, how you interact with your um, the industry professionals, whether it's agents, publishers, whatever, is it's just that thing of going in and saying uh, from and, – and I didn't even do this myself, but it's just kind of a thing of like um, I'm – I have to treat this like it's a profession, and you right. know, if your day job is accountant or you're a plumber or whatever, is that thing of like you go into it with the same sort of attitude, like yeah, this is this is my job, and and I'm and I'm going to put my best foot and image and everything forward. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. yeah. Very, Very good advice. Yeah. Great. Well, where can people find out more about you and your books?
2: Um, if they start at my website, which is simonwood.net.
0: Okay. Awesome. All right, and would great. if anyone was interested in like your workshops or seminars, would there be information about that? There's a there's a tab
2: there? that's called okay. workshops on there, um, with you know what's coming up and um, um, date wise and things like that, and they can sign up through the the website.
0: Okay, perfect. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. This has been great. We've really enjoyed it.
2: No, it's it's nice seeing you after. Ten, twelve years old it is.
0: <laughs> <I know. laughs> so We went to a writers' conference and met each other. I think at Bouchercon, like
2: yeah, literally yeah, on the last the exotic, day.
0: Yeah, the exotic city of Cleveland, I believe. Yeah. yeah, something like
2: that. <laughs> yeah. so and I think funny. I think everybody was sitting around waiting to leave. Yes, <laughs> because it was yes. like last day, and it was just kind of that sort of thing. Yeah, of like oh, done. it's like oh, you're just meeting people because you know you've got. Yes. Yeah, there's two hours left people left yeah, and I think yeah. Alex Sokoloff I think introduced yeah. us or something yeah, and I think so yeah yeah and that was that's how it's just kind of started that's yeah. awesome
0: so so it's been great catching up and hearing more of your story because I knew a little bit about it, but not all so that was good and we'll have all the links and everything um at wish I'd known then podcast.com and thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast and we'll see everybody next week bye, bye.